This podcast is brought to you by YearToSuccess.com, a free online course on success. Enroll at YearToSuccess.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin, and we have an exciting episode for you today. We have on the line Ramona J. Smith. She is a 2018 world champion of public speaking. She's an educator, speaker, author, blogger, and poet. She's also an award-winning, internationally known public speaker. Ramona's captivating speeches inspire audiences around the world. She's a dynamic powerhouse on stage, and her ability to connect with an audience is unmatched. She earned her bachelor's degree in public relations with a minor in marketing, graduating magna cum laude from the prestigious Baldwin-Wallace University in Northeast Ohio. Ramona is the mother of Miracle Boy Ryan, and they reside in Houston, Texas. Ramona, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Congratulations. How does it feel? Thank you. It feels great. It's still surreal. It's been two months, but it's still surreal. It's like, this didn't happen. But yes, it did. No, it didn't. (laughs) I'm sure you're still on cloud nine, and I'm sure you've been swamped with media requests. Yes, but I love it. I I love it. I'm, I'm a star, so I like to shine. Oh, I love that. So how has this experience and, of course, the outcome changed your life? It's changed everything like super significantly because, you know, I'm a teacher now, but public speaking is my passion. It's something that I've been wanting to do since I was 19. Now I'm at the crossroads where it's like, do I stay in the classroom or do I jump off the cliff and become an entrepreneur? And I've been able to travel and see different parts of the world that I've never been able to see before. I just came off a small speaking tour in the Middle East where I was able to visit Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Oman and Qatar. And I'm headed to India, Bahrain and Kuwait in January. So I've been able to meet and inspire so many people. And I'm really thinking about doing it full time. Well, that's absolutely awesome. I'm sure all your students are going to miss you. (laughs) They will. And I'll miss them too. I will. So obviously you are a Toastmaster because this was the Toastmasters World Champion of Public Speaking. How long have you been a Toastmaster and what club are you with? I am with the SciFair Super Speakers, and I've been with Toastmasters for eight years. Eight years. And how have things changed for you since you joined Toastmasters in terms of your gaining your skills and confidence, et cetera? I have definitely become a more effective speaker. I would say that the biggest thing for me as far as improvements is the organization and structuring of my speech and being more aware of what I'm doing on stage and also eliminating a lot of those crutch words, ums, ahs, uh, you know, so, but I've been able to communicate more concisely and in a way where people aren't focused on the ums and the uhs, they can actually get the message that I'm trying to deliver. Obviously in the championship speech, you can't have any of those. (laughs) You can't, you better not. (laughs) Now, speaking of your speech, still standing, perhaps tell us a little bit about it in a nutshell. What's it about? It's about staying in the ring when life gives you challenges and difficulties because that's inevitable. So when when you keep taking hit after hit, all you have to do is is stay in the ring because every time you go through a difficulty in life, you learn something. And when you use that wisdom to prepare for the next battle or the next storm, it's going to help you overcome it easily and maybe inspire some other people to stay in the ring when they're dealing with something as well. 
I found the boxing metaphor just absolutely phenomenal because boxing is something that's universal. And even if someone has never participated in boxing, chances are they may have watched a Rocky movie or they've seen it on television or they saw boxing somewhere. I like how you twisted that and you made a metaphor for life. How did that come about? While I was preparing for the final speech, I I wanted to find something that was going to be accepted on an international level. And I was looking at different sports and I knew that American football wasn't going to resonate. And I knew basketball wasn't it's kind of popular, but it's not as widespread as boxing. And so I started looking at boxing more closely. I saw that a lot of countries have some form of boxing. Once I started formulating my points, I realized that it was just something that was going to resonate not only with the international crowd, but with the men as well, because men want to be involved, too, because I'm a woman. So, of course, they're going to go up there and think I'm talking about some woman stuff. And, (laughs) you know, it's it's a woman and she's probably going to have this touchy, touchy message. But when I start out putting up my dukes. I think it raised a lot of eyebrows for for the men. And I just wanted to go out and have some fun and do something that would be entertaining. It certainly was entertaining. You were moving all over the stage. (laughs) But what I really found fascinating is that when you think about it, and it's funny that this just came to mind just now as you were speaking, we started talking about boxing and the sports metaphor. But if you think about it, quite often when we have challenges at work or at home or just health challenges, any of those types of challenges, we call them fights. Yes. What you shared with us is that you learned or we can learn from our past fights. I mean, that's something that we could all could relate to. For sure. Well, I think that's just wisdom. I think that's, that's really just what wisdom is. And when you can look back on the, the, the challenges that you, that you've gone through, I talked about my divorce and I talked about dropping out of college Then I came back around and I talked about graduating uh, magna cum laude at the top of my class. And I talked about how I'm still in training for marriage. Going into my next marriage, I can look at my first marriage and I can analyze it and I can become more self-aware so that the next time I meet someone who's a potential partner, I can avoid the things that I did in that previous fight in order to try to become more victorious the next time around. Or if there's something that I know is leading towards a conversation that may be possibly headed towards a divorce, I can take a detour or I can remember that, okay, well, last time we had this conversation, it didn't really go well. So let let's not go there. Or with college, I knew that I wanted to finish and I wanted to finish strong. So I looked at the mistakes that I had made the previous four times. And I knew that attendance was a must and staying on top of my studies was a must. And even being involved in extracurricular activities was a must. So I looked at the quote unquote mistakes. I don't really believe in mistakes. I believe that everything happens for a reason. But I looked at those times when I wasn't successful and I used it to not make the same wrong turns uh, as I pursued it once more. So was that your epiphany? Absolutely. I remember, and I actually wrote this down specifically to make sure that I asked you this, the quote, part of the speech where you said, instead of looking in a mirror of defeat, it became a window of possibilities. And I remember you sort of pulling yourself back up. Yeah. Was, was that the epiphany? Like, or was there one particular moment or was just a, was it a whole bunch of things? 
in the speech, that was the turning point. I've learned a lot of lessons because I've had a lot of fights, unfortunately. So I've learned so many different lessons, but I guess that would be kind of the biggest takeaway. Like I mentioned, there really are no mistakes. There is just things that you that you do and, and you learn from them. When you look at someone who's dropped out of college four times and who got divorced and who tried to do this speech contest and was unsuccessful several times, you would think that, oh, my goodness, like how how does she still have self-confidence or how does she still believe in herself? And for me, it was like if I'm still here and if I'm still breathing and if I'm still enjoying life, then all of that must have been for a reason. I must not be a waste of space. So, hey, I'm still in the game. Let's keep playing. Let's roll the dice again and, and see how we can do it better this time. Yeah, every crisis certainly creates an opportunity. Yes. I found it interesting because when you said four times, I mean, four times is amazing, you know, one, two, three, but it was also the way you said it. Not one, not two, <laughs> not three, but four times. And it's funny because as you were speaking, as I was watching you on the stage, I watched it remotely through Toastmasters On Demand. I felt like I was there every step of the way, but yet the pace, the way you said it almost was like... You're down and you can see the referee there just putting his hand down, throwing the numbers down with the countdown where he has to count to 10. Yes. I felt like I was there. <laughs> wow. Which was absolutely amazing. I mean, you kept, I think you kept everyone on the edge of their seats the whole time. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> now, it was serious, but at the same time, you managed to get a bunch of humor in there. You got a bunch of laughs. Was that planned or did you have just, were there were a couple things that you said, you know what, I think I should say this here because I think it's funny. The biggest humor point for me, the, the thing that was completely intentional was the I'm still in training. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And when I said this is an international, this is an international convention, I didn't expect so much laughter, but I, I figured somebody would have found that quite humorous. <laughs> if I got any other laughter, it wasn't intentional. But though that section of the speech, that portion of the speech, that was my humorous side uh, writing. <laughs> When you walked on stage, you were laughing at the beginning. Was that a nervousness or was that planned? <laughs> that was not planned. And I wasn't nervous. I was just, oh, my goodness. I was just so happy and joyful because I had seen myself on that stage so many times. And I just could not believe that I was actually there. And when it hit me, all I could do was giggle like a piglet. That's all I could do. <laughs> Because I was just overwhelmed with gratitude and I was so happy to see all the people there waiting for something. They were just expecting that the crowd was full of expectancy and I knew that I had something that was going to fulfill them. And it was, it was it was surreal. And I just wanted to enjoy every moment. And I think my spirit just leaped, took a leap out of my voice and I just couldn't I couldn't hold it. <laughs> It was interesting because I was thinking at the beginning, was this intentional? Was this not intentional? But either way, what it did is it actually disconnected us from the previous speaker. You know how you the person comes on and introduces the next speaker in the speech. but And you're still kind of thinking, okay, next person's coming up. They're going to start speaking. But when you started to giggle or... <laughs> <laughs> giggle like a piglet. <laughs> giggle like a piglet. I'm thinking, 
there's got to be some kind of connection. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It's it still work for me. I also I'm a big fan of Elton John. After the Beatles, Elton mm. John is is my guy. Mm-hmm. When I do karaoke, it's all Elton John. <laughs> Oh, wow. I'd love to hear that. (laughs) I won't sing on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I love the ending, but I was also thinking you did take a chance. I did. I did. I took a lot of chances. But but when you're on the world championship stage, I feel like you have to. You have to. You have to push the envelope and you have to give the audience something that they're not expecting and something that maybe you wouldn't even expect from yourself. I was going to leave it all on the stage. I was going to go above and beyond. I was I wasn't going to hold anything back. Did you change anything while you were on stage? Did you change anything because of what you heard previous speakers say or not say? No, no. I, I didn't change anything. The reason I was asking that question is last year when we spoke to Manoj Vasudewan, he had said that he had noticed because in Vancouver the speakers were on it was Friday night. It was, I think it was Friday night. It was late at night and he oh, felt yeah. that the energy level was low. And so I think he said that he had actually changed a couple things. Oh no, I didn't, I didn't change anything. I mean, I had to make some adjustments because of the laughter that I wasn't anticipating. But aside from that, it was just like I had practiced. Great. This is a question I always love to ask the, the world champs because I know some people only hear the final speech. Some people have an opportunity. If it's their district person, they get to hear the district final speech. And then there's, of course, the semi-speech. What I was wondering is, was this particular speech what you would call your better speech? Like, Did you write this one before the semifinal one? No, I wrote that speech the day before the finals. No way way. I had a speech prepared. I, I After I won at the district level, everyone was telling me, the people who I'd asked, they said, okay, start writing your final speech. And I did. And I wrote that in my living room in front of my laptop. But after the semifinals and I was victorious in my semifinals round, I got a different feel of the crowd. And I knew that the speech that I had prepared, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be what they needed or what they wanted. And so I scratched it. I scratched it. I threw it away. And I I told myself, I'm going to start completely new and I'm going to give the audience what they came here for. Wow. So you broke every rule in the book, but I guess it didn't matter, did it? <laughs> no, not at all. So the audience did affect you. So for Manoj, it affected him at the finals. But for you at the semifinals, you just didn't feel the vibe. Is that what it was? I, I couldn't really get a feel of it at in my home in front of my laptop. That was just me there thinking, oh, that might be cool, or oh, they might want to hear that. But by it being my first time at the semifinals, I realized that people are really here to be entertained. And my other speech wasn't very entertaining. It's kind of ironic because your semifinal speech was called Not Good Enough. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But obviously it was good enough to win the semifinals. Yes. (laughs) That's phenomenal. Just out of curiosity, any advice you would offer besides writing the speech the night before in your hotel room or at home? Any other advice you would give people in terms of taking this journey? I would tell them to always be themselves. I think a lot of people don't win because they try to copycat. They try to be just like the other people. They try to be just like Darren LaCroix or just like DJ or just like Minaj or just like Jim Key. Or just like Mark Brown, they try to emulate the style of someone else. But if you really just be yourself and you hold on to your characteristics and your voice and your story, 
I feel like that's what propels a, a, a lot of people to that championship stage. Wow. Was there something you did pick up for any help that you did receive from previous world champs or maybe some fellow Toastmasters? Fellow Toastmasters, yes. I actually reached out to a bunch of world champions after I won districts, but the only response I got was from Jim Key, and he told me he was a little too busy. And I mean, I, I understand that. I get it. And so when I was preparing for finals, my district leaders, they stepped up and they really mentored me and they really gave me a lot of tips and they took a lot of time. I kept them up all night and we choreographed and we wrote and my club members were amazing with helping me edit and write and just helping me along the whole entire process of the competition. Was there something in either of your speeches or maybe even your last speech that you felt that, you know, I really want to put this in, but it's just not going to fit. And and maybe what was that? Well, I always want to go into extra detail about the things that, that, that happened in my life. And that was one of the biggest critiques that I got of the still standing speech was that it lacked in content. But for me, I can't give you the meat of every situation. I can't go into complete detail because I would go over time. So I wish I could have went a little bit more into the why of going to college and the how of dropping out and the why and the how of being in a marriage for less than a year. But I, I just didn't have time. That, that's probably feedback you got after the fact, right? Yes. <laughs> I kind of figured that is, yeah, that's something that typically happens. Excellent. Yeah. So Ramona, what do you think of the fact that all three winners were ladies? I think that's amazing. I think that's legendary. I think that's historical. I think that is noteworthy because it's a male dominated competition as far as the wins, because there hasn't been a female winner in 10 years. There have never been three women who've taken the top three places in the world. And I'm only the second African-American woman to win it at all, ever. And women couldn't even compete in the contest until I think 1973, if I'm not mistaken, this win for myself, for Sherry and for Anita is inspiring to other women all around the world. Because when I was speaking overseas in the Middle East, everybody wanted to hear about women's empowerment. The women were so hyped up. They were amped up because I think that some women may be intimidated when they're entering in a contest and they're the only woman. They may feel intimidated, but this may have been the visual that they needed to be encouraged and to understand that even though I'm a woman and I may be the only woman in my semifinals round or I may be the only woman in the finals, but I'm still confident enough in myself to be able to do the same thing that Ramona, Sherry, and Anita did this year. So you may encourage women who might have been afraid to perhaps participate in contests actually take the leap. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. And we actually forgot one other special lady. Yes. Our Madam President. She's very important as well. That's inspirational too. I want to be the president one day. That's phenomenal. When you're not doing Toastmasters, what are you doing? What else are you doing? I'm being a mom. I'm being an auntie and a sister. I'm, what else am I doing? In my classroom. Because you've got speaker, educator, author, blogger, poet. Yes, a lot of writing. In fact, I need to write a blog this evening. In your intro, you mentioned, or in your introduction, you mentioned you're the mother of Miracle Boy Ryan. Tell us about Ryan. 
Ryan is a six-year-old phenomenal child, and I call him a miracle child because when he was two years old, he was diagnosed with a cancerous brain tumor called an ependymoma. And this child had to go through three brain surgeries called craniotomies, and he had to go through 30 rounds of radiation. And just like my speech, he's still standing. Four years cancer-free now, couldn't even tell looking at him that he went through such a a traumatic journey at such a young age, no speech impediments, no physical or mental signs of any type of ailments, uh, illness or ailments. And he's just, he's miraculous. So that's why I call him a miracle boy. Wow. I bet that your son Ryan is very, very proud of his mom. Yes, he is. He is. But you know, he's a kid. So he wants all the attention on him. <laughs> he won the spelling bee. And so that's the most important thing right now. I guess it's all relative. (laughs) (laughs) You had mentioned earlier that, of course, now that you've won the championship, perhaps you might go into the full time. So where do you see yourself in a little while? I'm trying to figure out the marketing side of public speaking because I know that I have the talent, but I also have to have the business mind behind it. Because in August of next year, there's going to be a new world champion. So I have to make sure I leave my mark now. So I'm trying to figure out what type of products I want to develop and do I want to do coaching? Do I want to do training? So that that's where I'm at right now. Ultimately, I do want to speak full time, but speaking, I don't think it's going to be enough. I have to have more books. I have to have audio. I have to have seminars and webinars and things like that. So that's what I'm working on right now. Mary, offer you some suggestions for that? Absolutely. You might want to reach out to Cheryl Roche and Bob Huey. You might want to consider looking at the accredited speaker program because that's a lot of what they talk about too. Yes, people have been, have been mentioning that to me. I'm definitely looking into that. Uh, it's absolutely great. In fact, we just started a new club in our district called Go Pro Speakers, and that's mm-hmm. the focus. The focus is primarily for people who want to become professional speakers, who are professional speakers, or who want to work towards their accredited speaker designation. Yes. But today is about you. (laughs) Oh, no, that's that's great advice. I'm definitely going to heed to that because I need to understand how it works and what I need to do and the steps and the process and everything because I'm not a very logical person. I'm a very emotional person. I, I go off my feeling, but in business, that doesn't really always work. If you want to win a good fight, I think you have to be somewhat logical. (laughs) Ah, yeah, that's for sure. Ramona, this has been fantastic. If someone wants to get a hold of you, someone wants to reach you, where can they find you? What's the best place to reach you at? The best place to reach me is email. They can reach me at theladybugspeaker at gmail.com. Or you can look at my website, RamonaJSmith.com, and there's a contact form. You can fill it out, and I will get back with you. Ramona J. Smith, thank you very much for being on the program. It has been very, very enlightening. I'm glad that I wasn't that individual at the other end of the punch. (laughs) But I think that you're on an incredible journey, and I think that the future is going to be great for you and your son, Ryan. Oh, thank you. The pleasure was mine. Thanks for having me on. That was super fun. Hi, this is Bo Bennett, host of the Toastmasters podcast. Back in 2004, I wrote the book Year to Success, the most complete and practical book on success ever written. Thanks to today's technology, 
I've turned the book into an online course. Here's the best part. The course is 100% free. Enroll at yeartosuccess.com and work on one personal development idea each day for the next eight months or so. That address is yeartosuccess.com. See you there.